Hey there, diet writers, and welcome to the podcast. We love bringing you new content and episodes every week, but we realize that we are diving deep each week into different topics of intuitive eating, and we wanted to give you a place to go to learn about it as a whole. So we have a free intuitive eating mini course designed to help you. Yes, you right now. It's a quick overview of why diets don't work and how intuitive eating can fit into your life. We walk you through the 10 principles of intuitive eating and it's perfect for beginners or those who are struggling to tie it all together. Click the link in our show notes below to get this killer mini course delivered right to your inbox. Okay, now back to the show. Hey, 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 Diet Riders. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. I'm Brooke Miller. We're both dietitians. Both moms. Both from the Midwest. But live in Denver. And we're still quarantined, but <laughs> good so news, <laughs> good news. We have a special guest with us this week. We've been so excited. We connected with Caitlin um, a little while ago, and we've been talking about doing a podcast with her. And so you may know her as the self-love nutritionist, and we are going to kick it on over to her to introduce herself, how she became the self-love nutritionist, and um, how she got into this niche because we love it. We love hearing more um, from other dietitians in this space, and we can't wait to hear more from you. Well, hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, but yeah, I'm Caitlin Allen from Self Love Nutritionist, and I really started in this food freedom, intuitive eating space when I was in graduate school. So in undergrad, when I first decided I wanted to do nutrition, it was mainly for like the typical reasons. I want to be healthy. I want to see what foods are the healthiest and whatever. Mm -hmm. But then once I started grad school, I started learning more about intuitive eating and disordered eating and eating disorders. And I just fell in love with it. Um, I think intuitive eating and a health at every size approach to health is really just so beautiful. It really just honors your body, honors yourself. And yeah, that's really how I got started. So you learned about it in grad school, like from class? Mm -hmm, yeah. Oh, but my, wow. my program was specifically an eating disorders program. So I think that's okay. why. Yeah. Because we've talked about that a lot in this podcast, how it just feels like we all stumbled across intuitive eating on our own like outside of our internship mm -hmm. or outside of our like classrooms and we just kind of had to like fend for ourselves and figure it out alongside other dietitians or therapists or practitioners and we feel like it should be something that obviously should be taught inside of schools now yeah. our intern Danielle um shout out to Danielle I'm sure she's listening but <laughs> she's kind of talking about how it's being covered inside of school right now because she's still in classes and it's interesting to hear you so okay so that makes sense though if you were learning specifically about eating disorder mm -hmm. and we like I want to say we briefly touched on it in school like eating disorders as a whole like maybe spent mm -hmm. one week on it um, but of course there's so much to unpack inside of eating disorders a week will never do it justice I yeah. don't care how much time you spend so yeah. um, okay so that's really interesting so that's how you found out about it so that's kind of cool you kind of like kicked off your career right away um, yeah, in the yeah. healthy at every size and um, and intuitive eating space so that's really cool and you work with clients one-on-one -on -one, is that right? I do, yes. So I actually just recently relaunched my program, the Self-Love Nutrition Coaching Program. And yeah, that's where I see my clients one-to-one. -one. 
Awesome. And your name. So, okay, self-love nutritionist. Let's break this down a little bit. I'd love to hear, you know, because obviously there's so many different angles that people can take intuitive eating or Mm -hmm. food freedom or whatever you want to call it, kind of this anti-diet world. And you can come at it from different lenses. And we all, like Brooke and I have talked, our stories are very similar and the way that we approached it and applied it to our lives and which part kind of resonates the most with you. And I think your name on Instagram, you know, self-love nutritionist is so... Um, catching because we all could use a little more self-love and yeah. it's truly and honestly one of our members inside of our membership wrote in the weekly win section we have this place where our members can share with each other how they're doing and she shared that it was basically like this is the first time I'm going to be making a choice for me out of self-love and not out of hate and it was such an incredible that. thing because usually as she's like I would get on diets because I needed to feel healthy and I, I felt shame because of how much I ate or, you know, it's coming from this place of mm-hmm. what you kind of feel like should be self-love, like, oh, I'm taking care of myself and I'm getting healthy, mm-hmm. but it's actually coming from a place of like hatred or, yeah. you know, um, disrespect or disgust or shame or guilt or whatever to actually get on these diets. Whereas intuitive eating really is coming from a true place of loving yourself and not like, oh, I'm in love with every little thing about my body or about myself, but really in a way that's like, hey, I deserve respect. I deserve love. So maybe can you talk and unpack a little bit about that and and how you came to that name and what that means to you and your clients that you work with? Oh, yeah, I love that question. Um, So really, when I started my business, I was kind of trying to think about like, what do I want to encompass? Like, what do I want my program or what I offer? What should my focus be? And as I was um, just thinking about everything, I was like, you know, intuitive eating, this health at every size approach is really about connecting you with yourself and really developing self-love like self-love really encompasses Mm -hmm. everything I think sometimes people think of self-love as like this superficial um Mm -hmm. like if you love yourself it's superficial or whatever but it's really not it's really about how you view and care about yourself from the inside and that's what intuitive eating is about like connecting you with what's going on internally so that you can just feel amazing about yourself Mm -hmm. I love that Um, do you have or what are like what are the main kind of pain points or things that people come to you with um, specifically and and what are one or two tips that are great tips to start with that we can kind of leave the listeners with when it comes to self-love and self-care oh I love that so I would say one of the big main pain points is feeling good in your body you know a lot of people feel like they have to diet Otherwise, they're never going to feel good in their body. Like, how could I possibly feel better if I don't lose weight? Mm -hmm. So when we're going at it from a different lens and focusing on what they can do to really honor themselves, um, that brings about a body confidence that they didn't know was within them. Mm -hmm. So I would say some tips, some easy things to do right off the bat would be to diversify your Instagram feed. I mean, how easy is it to just scroll away and you see all these people that look nothing like you, that you can't relate to, that um, have like the societal idea idea of what beauty is. I think it's really important to kind of broaden our idea of what beauty is and to see images of different bodies. 
I think that mm-hmm. could be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what you said about that, the idea of like, we think self-love can sound really superficial at first, like mm-hmm. our first gut reaction. And I wonder how much of that is like our upbringing and our family environments. Mm-hmm. And like for me, I'm like a recovering people pleaser. Like I love yes. the thought <laughs> I want people to think I'm always thinking of them and not myself and self-love or self-care can feel really selfish at times. Mm -hmm, And I've had to really push past that boundary and kind of that feeling of, um, no, this is okay. I deserve this. And honestly, it's where it's where I can pull from when I need to help other people and love Mm -hmm. other people and show them kindness and respect and maybe do something above and beyond for them. If I haven't taken care of, especially like my basic needs here, like we're talking hunger, like Mm -hmm. basic needs, you guys to survive. um, I can't, physically help anyone else. I can't mentally help anyone else. I can't emotionally help anyone else if I haven't helped myself first. And I'm not even talking like, and I I wonder if you could maybe give some clues into this a a little bit further, but like, I'm not talking about like, oh, I went on vacation by myself and I went to the spa day and I spent a million dollars on Mm -hmm. self-care. Like, (laughs) no, like getting enough sleep, Mm -hmm. moving my body in a way that feels good, feeding myself when I'm hungry. Like these are basic necessities. Hydration, you know, like very basic, but it's it's the start. It's the start of something saying I have, I deserve dignity and I deserve my basic needs being met. Um, maybe can you clue us in a little bit more of what you do either with your clients or even in your own life, how you show yourself self-love or self-care in a way that's attainable to our listeners, especially right now in COVID? Like, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? Yeah, I love that. I love that you mentioned um, like self-love doesn't have to be this big uh, extravagant thing. You don't have to go on this vacation to Thailand and meditate for 10 hours. Like, Although that would be, be great. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, so something that I do and what I really teach my clients is to have a morning routine. I think it really can just set you up to have a, a great day. You know, just taking those that five minutes in the morning just for you can really make a difference. So what I do is I actually have this cute little journal and it has um, a place for you to write your goals, to write your affirmations and to write what you're grateful for. So mm-hmm. every day I write those things down and it's just a way to remind myself like, you know, maybe I don't have the life that I would really, really want at this moment. I am so grateful for what I, what I do have and then these affirmations just remind me to keep my mindset where I want it to be. And then my goal is obviously something to work for, work toward every day. Yeah, that is I so good. That so yeah. Can you hold us accountable to do that? Because <laughs> yeah. I know I know Alyssa journals more than I do, but I I struggle with that morning routine. And you're right. Like the days that you put a morning routine in place, it like makes it or breaks your day, you know? And Mm -hmm. when you feel so chaotic in the morning, like it just, it throws off your mood, it throws off. And then if you don't have time to eat breakfast and that's like, Ah, that's kind of what happened this morning. My son had a long appointment at Children's Hospital. It's across town in Denver. And it was like, we didn't have eggs. We didn't have my normal breakfast food. We just got back from vacation last night. So my morning routine was so thrown off today. And I 
Yeah. And then I got home from his appointment and I, I lit my husband's working from home and I said, I am so hungry. I, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm dying. And my husband's <laughs> like, right okay. Now. Yeah. No but, one on the hunger scale. Yeah. I was like, I'm starving. <laughs> and you know, had I just like had my normal routine in the morning and had a snack in my bag, like I normally would have, like, I just, I set myself up for failure <laughs> today, yeah. but it, it, it's, it's just like, had I, gotten enough sleep and and like prepped all of that and done everything that I needed to do and had time to journal and like do these things in the morning like my my morning would have ended differently and I wouldn't have been hangry at the end of the morning and so um but yeah I think that's such a good thing that is something affordable like we we all have yeah, a paper and a yeah. pen we all yeah. have a phone mm-hmm. like you can journal you notes your on your phone on yeah yeah so I think it's just like okay, it doesn't cost any money and you can start for five minutes a day. Like we all have five yeah. minutes a day. And I think um, one reason why a lot of us don't journal consistently and me included is a lot of times we think of it like, oh, it's so much time. But I think mm-hmm. when we kind of like tell ourselves, okay, just do it for three minutes a day, three days a week. And then like you can make it more consistent. Um, but I loved that. I think that is such a good form of self-care that we can all we can all improve on that. I think a lot of people also have that all or nothing mindset. So if they're thinking like, okay, so if I'm going to implement morning routine, then I need to wake up at 5am and then I'm going to journal and then I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to exercise and then I'm going to eat breakfast. They make it like this whole extravaganza that just isn't possible right out of Mm -hmm. the gate. But just like starting small, like it's okay to just do it like once a week, five minutes starting Mm -hmm. out and then slowly progress. Like it doesn't have to be completely all or nothing I okay that was exactly what I was thinking in my head is I'm such an all or nothing person I've talked Mm -hmm. about this endlessly on the podcast in our course everywhere this is how I my brain thinks if I can't do it all then I shouldn't do anything at all Mm -hmm. and Brooke that was so sweet of you to remember that I've been journaling I've been lately slacking a little bit but I will say that when I'm in that habit of and I it's not even like full-on journaling it's literally basically Caitlin what you do I write um my affirmations and a grateful like I basically list things I'm grateful for and when I first started it was a struggle to be consistent with it I didn't feel like it changed my day and I felt like I had to list like I literally would say okay 20 things a day like oh my gosh girl like start small Yeah. yeah and even just putting a rule or a limit on it of like how many things I have to be grateful for like it's good to kind of push yourself and say okay you know I would like to try to think of more things I'm grateful for. But like, what a silly arbitrary rule that no one is paying Mm -hmm. attention to. No one's reading my journal. Like if I have three things today that I want to talk about that I'm grateful for or 15 things, it doesn't matter. Just like Mm -hmm. getting in that practice. And I love what you said of starting small, starting slow. It's okay to be not consistent. And this is like, I think diet culture kind of creeping in of like trying Mm -hmm. to put all these rules on what our morning routine should look like. Well, on YouTube, they have 18 (laughs) minutes. Oh, my God. Do you know how much editing is going into those morning routines? Like, Lord, I watch Mm -hmm. those and I'm like, no, mm -mm, 100% inaccurate. Like, no, you cannot tell me this is what you do every day. This is what you do on filming days when you're telling Mm -hmm. people what you're doing for your morning routine. And Especially even, with and even kids if, too. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, for yeah. sure. And even yeah. if they are doing it, like everyone's different in what they respond to, but um, and what works best for them. But when I first started my um, gratitude journal, I did like one thing. It was just like one thing 
That's it. Mm-hmm. One. And then my affirmations, I have written the same affirmation for like months on end. It's not a new one every day that I have to come up with. Mm-hmm. It's just reiterating it so it becomes second nature. It comes to my brain faster. So I absolutely love that tip because I think I think so many of us can benefit from it. Just five minutes. And yes, even with kids, like <laughs> I was such a resistor to waking up before my children for so long because mm-hmm. I'm such a night owl. And I'm like, nope, my kids will wake me up. My kids will wake me up. It is night and day difference of what type of mom I am during the day if I wake up before them or after them and have mm-hmm. just like three sips of hot coffee by myself, like mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. and day, <laughs> which is crazy. But so, so true. So yeah. Well, oh and it's, it's hard to focus on all of the self-hate and the self-doubt when we are focused on the affirmations and what we're grateful mm-hmm. for and what, what's going well in our life. And I mm-hmm. think that that serves with like every aspect of our mental health, but it's hard to hate ourselves when we are writing down what we are grateful for in our mm-hmm. lives. And it's something that our pastor talks a lot about at church. Like we had a whole sermon on it and it's, it's stuck with me to this day because it's like, Oh, you're right. Like you could have the worst season of your life and you could have such a bad season of your life. But if you can still find one thing you're grateful for and you can focus on that, it, it really can turn your day around. And so mm-hmm. we've done this too, inside of our membership of like, okay, you're struggling with your legs or a body part. Why is that? What are you grateful for that that body part can Mm -hmm. do? Your legs can Mm -hmm. walk, your stomach stretched to get pregnant, like, you know, and finding gratitude with our bodies. Can you touch on some, um, maybe some affirmations that you found really helpful for you or others you've worked with or um, any exercises like that? I just know you have a lot of good affirmations like on your social media. I've actually gone through and like saved a lot of your posts just because I feel (laughs) like when I'm down, I'm like, oh man, these are really good. Like I just, I love reading examples of of different ones because I'm definitely not an expert with those. (laughs) Usually the ones that I post on my story, sometimes I am feeling inspired and like something specific is going on in my life. So that's what Mm -hmm. I cater them to. Um, Or I'm like, gosh, my brain is just not working today. I'm just going to Google some affirmations and see which ones speak to me or I think would speak to the people that follow me. So that's usually what I do for those ones, but for my own. So I am like a imposter syndrome ridden perfectionist. So Uh for mine, yes, (laughs) always. So for mine, it's, it's okay if I don't know everything. That's such a good one. But I always do like, it's okay if I don't know everything, because I feel like sometimes we can feel like, like, what's the point of doing something if I don't know everything about it, but it's impossible to know everything. Like, it's okay if someone asks you a question, you're like, I don't know the answer. Like, let me go look it up. Let me go Mm -hmm. research it. You know, just like that reminder that it's okay. Yeah. And I think that applies to people with intuitive eating, right? Like, I don't know about you, Mm -hmm. but with us, everyone wants to know how to do it today. Like, how do I I become an intuitive eater today? And I'm like, first of all, you can call yourself whatever you want. You're an intuitive eater today. Go ahead. Like, there's no criteria to meet. Okay. But also like, you don't, you don't have to know it all today. And actually, I would say it's damn near impossible to know it all mm-hmm. today. Like yeah. intuitive eating takes time and to re- to remove the layers of dieting culture that it's laid on us since literally we were probably 
toddlers, you know, mm-hmm. and beyond. So it's like, yeah. it, it really does take a lot of time. So I love that. And one that you posted, and I don't know if you'd call this an affirmation, but I think it works. It's kind of like a mindset flip. Um, so I think those are really powerful as affirmations as well, was the, um, oh gosh, you're not letting yourself go. You're letting yourself mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Oh, yes. That was such a beautiful flip of like a typical oh, diet you. culture saying of like, oh, yes. I'm let, I let myself go or I've really let myself go. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually had people like prepare me before I've seen them for a long time. Like, oh, just so you know, I've really let myself go. Oh, Whoa, like are, yeah. it, it does. It really does. But I think we've all been there or felt this mm-hmm. way. So instead of saying, I'm not letting myself go, I'm, I'm letting myself be. I'm letting myself exist. I'm giving mm-hmm. myself the dignity of life and feeling like I am valued and I'm important and I deserve to take up space in this world. And I just thought it was really beautiful. So yes, we both Such are big one. fans of your social media. And I, I oh, don't know, you. like, it's interesting because we interview obviously a lot of dietitians specifically on this podcast. And it's so beautiful to see the different ways that the different dietitians um, either interact with their clients or with us Mm -hmm. and the way that they approach intuitive eating, like you have a very calming presence. Like whenever I listen to your stories, they're very um, encouraging and calming and like so much love there. Right. And your name just encompasses it really well. Of course. I know I should tell you this more often (laughs) because every time I think it, I should just send you the message, but it's so, so true. And you just exhibit this like aura really of like, peace and calming and you're welcome here and you're safe and everything's going to be okay. And I, I think that can really resonate with a lot of people that need to slow down and know that it's okay right now just to be. So I think that's really cool. And it's a really cool community and environment that you've built um, with your clients. Do you feel like in practice, I'm assuming, but in practice, do you feel like that's kind of the same vibe that you give people that come work with you? Yeah, definitely. So most of my sessions are me listening, answering questions, um, asking questions, just more so giving my clients a space to really process their emotions and really feel them. And I think people underestimate how truly valuable it is just to have someone listen to you and someone like genuinely care about what's going on inside of you. Because a lot of that, a lot of the that can get lost, like, you know, we're busy with our families and our friends and people don't always get a chance to just really have someone to just spew their deep emotional stuff happening. So I feel like that mm-hmm. that's usually what I do with my clients. Yeah. yeah. And validate like their feelings mm-hmm. too of, yeah, of this them. like, yeah, that I, I mean, I deserve food freedom just as much as anyone else does. I deserve mm-hmm. not to feel worried or anxious around food or stressed or like I constantly have to be trying to lose weight. And I think that's really powerful because especially just coming at it from that angle of like self-love, um, how frequently, especially women, which 98% of our listeners are women, mm-hmm. you know, I think culture has told us that we have to just give, 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 give. And Mm -hmm. it it gets harder and harder to stop and say, hey, I deserve things too. I deserve good things. I deserve peace. I deserve calm. I deserve, you know, those sorts of things. So I think, I think that can be really powerful to work with someone who just gives you the space to be and Mm -hmm. um, really feel valued and like you deserve food freedom and food and to eat when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Yes, girlfriend. You all of it. Yes. And we had well, one of our members just say, you guys are the first ones to tell me that I deserve to eat when I'm hungry. 
oh, like oh heartbreaking, gosh. but also super grateful that we can speak into their life that way, you know, but yeah. um, everyone needs to hear that, you know? Yeah. And a discussion Alyssa and I talk about a lot just because we're moms is like, it's really hard for moms to put their needs and their self-care first. A lot of us mm-hmm. feel like we have to do everything in the moment for our child. And like, if they're hungry, they need to eat. Um, even if we've gone all day without eating and like we can feed ourselves and feed the child at the same time. But a lot of times we're just so focused on the kids and doing everything with the kids that our needs just don't get met. And so I think especially for like all of the moms listening, your self-care, like you're going to be a better mom if you can get some sleep or if you can get that hot cup of coffee in the morning, if you can get those 10 minutes by yourself in the morning or when the kids go to bed, like it is going to make you a better mom when you, when you meet those basic needs, but also when you meet the needs of like, maybe for your mental health, you need a 30 minute yoga session or you need a 30 Mm -hmm. minute, um, workout or a run or whatever helps you mentally therapy, Mm -hmm. like whatever it is for you, it's okay to ask your spouse or your parents or your neighbor or your friend, like, I need this mentally to be a better mom. Can you um, hold my child for 30 minutes while I go downstairs and like go, you know, for a, for a yoga session or whatever it is. But I think as moms, we're always afraid to ask for help too. Um, I think a lot of our problems stem from like us not wanting to ask for help and us expecting that we can do it all. And so I think moms especially need this message because we need so much self-love. <laughs> like we need so much. We're so hard on ourselves um, as moms. Well, and and I, so, yeah. Well, and I think too, like, because before I became a mom, I've always been a very, um, like I said, people pleaser, giving person. Mm-hmm. And actually mm-hmm. before I became a mom is where I reached a lot of breaking points that I just tried to ignore for a long time. Mm-hmm. I would help people. I would say, yes, I would be there. I'd be the friend, you know, to do all the things whenever anyone needed anything. I was there. I did it or I completed it even through the midst of some really dark times in my personal life. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt like becoming a mom, I was like, holy shit, I can't keep up with this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. when actually my tipping point came to a place of like, Oh, I physically cannot. Like, I literally cannot keep going at the pace I was trying to go mm-hmm. at before getting pregnant or before having kids um, because I was giving so, so much. And I know it, it was just a really important value to me for people to feel like they could rely on me, mm-hmm. which meant to me saying yes all the time. So I was never setting any boundaries. Well, when you have kids, now people expect this high level of reliability. <laughs> now I have kids and I have zero reliability. <laughs> like, I may not even show up. I don't know. Um, no, so you are still like, very reliable. Like uh, she really is. But I get, I, I feel you. Yeah. Yes. It's just a different, it's a different expectation that I have to put on myself. Yeah. So I really had to learn that shift. And I think, Brooke, I think you make an excellent point of like asking for help. And from, from a perspective like mine, who I enjoy helping people. Yeah. So like, let them help. Let them be a part of it. Let them feel mm-hmm. like they're helping mm-hmm. you. I think that's actually a really good mindset shift for a lot of us is saying, oh, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to mm-hmm. be a burden. But how many of us would love it if if Brooke came over and said, hey, I'm having a really hard day. Will you watch Ashton for me? Will I go do X, Y, and Z? I would love to feel like I'm helping yeah. you. So like, yeah. give them an opportunity to be a part of your life and be a part of your community too. And I know it can be hard as someone who doesn't love being vulnerable herself. It it is so powerful and let they 
it's fun for most people. It feels really good to help Mm -hmm. someone and it feels really good to be needed. So also like let them feel that too. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you're giving them the gift of feeling needed and feeling Mm -hmm. important to you. Like you are allowing that person to do that for you. Yeah, I love that. That's an awesome mindset shift. I just think of Joey yeah, from just, Friends. It helped me a lot. Like Joey and Phoebe when they were talking about like good deeds and mm, every mm-hmm. deed is selfish yeah, yeah. because it makes you feel good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the episode where Rachel and Joey have to like mend their relationship because of like an awkwardness that Joey had. Uh, sorry, Caitlin, if you don't. Oh, I friends. do. I do. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Well, when Joey professes his love for Rachel and then they need to like mend the relationship, get back mm-hmm. to being friends, she like makes up a story to let him feel helpful oh, in her yeah. life, right? Like mm-hmm. she's like, oh, my boss wants to buy my mm. baby and pretends yes. like there's this big issue at work, even though there's not, just to let yes. him feel helpful. And of course, we all know how that goes, that whole story. But it it is such a good reminder that people like to be a part of our life. They actually like to be mm-hmm. relied on. Um, of course, there's always a balance, but I think so many of us are so afraid to be a burden when in reality, I think we'd all jump at the chance to feel needed and feel helpful and feel like we did something good in the mm-hmm. world, you know, and especially right now we're all isolated and separated and <laughs> on our own. It would feel really good to be able to help someone, especially yeah. for free, you know? So, oh gosh, what a great conversation. <laughs> Do you think um, that I just like, love this feeling of that um like asking for help as a mom is if you ask for help then that means you're a failure do you think part of it stems from that yeah I well I I don't think it's a failure I think that I know for me I place all the expectations on myself of like I will do all the therapy and I will bring to all the appointments and I will do this and I will be a working mom and I will work 40 hours a week. And I will like, I put all these expectations on myself. Not that I feel like a failure if I ask for help, but I know for me, it's just like, well, other people are doing it. So I should be able to Mm, like, I'm a capable adult. Like I should be able to do it. When, when you look at like most men, like they're not putting that expectation on themselves. They're like, yeah, like the laundry didn't get done. Nothing got done. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you leave like your husband with the kids for a few hours, they're like, I just kept him alive. That's all I did. You know? And then I think they, they have such a respect too. Like I know my husband too. Like I left him for a weekend, I think with our son. And he said, yeah, I didn't do any cleaning or cooking or anything like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I don't know. Stay at mom, stay at home moms. They have a really hard job. And like, you know, and just hearing him say that was like, okay, like I can take a break on myself because he knows like, he's not going to come home and be like, why isn't the laundry done? Why isn't this done when we're both working full time and doing all these things? And so Mm -hmm. I think if you have a spouse that's really supportive, um, and doesn't have those expectations. I know not every mm-hmm. marriage has that, or maybe there's miscommunication with, with that. But I think um, just as a parent, I think that there needs to be communication with duties and expectations, but also like a lot of gratitude and, and, um, and both like knowing it's okay to ask for help. Like I have no problem telling my husband, I need to go do yoga for an hour. Like you need to take him, you know, mm-hmm. or he has no problem being like, I have to work late. Can mm-hmm. you, you know, like, it's just, 
it needs to go both ways. And so if you're in a marriage where you're the mom and you're doing everything with the kids all the time and you never get time for yourself, I think it's absolutely important to voice that up, like voice that concern. Hey, I'm really struggling mentally. And for my mental health, I need to just go to to breakfast with my friend alone. I need you to watch the baby so I can have an hour with an adult by myself. I think it's okay to ask for that. Um, but a lot of us are scared. Yeah. I think it's, it's scary. It's scary to ask for help. No, I think you're right. I think there's a really dangerous portrayal of motherhood in social media and online specifically, and even in our friendship circles. We act like we have it all together. We act like we're doing all the things Mm -hmm. and our babies doing this class and going to this place. And we have a schedule and they never, you know, skip a nap or whatever it looks like. We have this like unbelievable (laughs) expectation put on ourselves when really, like, especially when we look at social media, you're seeing 15 second clips of their day that are 100% curated. I mean, all of us are on Instagram. How many times have we deleted a story because something happened or it was like a weird lighting or something and then we change it? Like that is what everyone is doing and not Mm -hmm. intentionally to like pretend or be fake but it's like oh no one's going to be interested in watching this story of me in the closet and it's pitch black which is happening right now by the way for everyone listening (laughs) it's like super dark in here like no one's going to be interested in watching that because it looks creepy so I'm going to sit by a window I'm going to make it look prettier or whatever and like I try really hard especially on my mom and me rd instagram to like hey that's my laundry in the background hey this i haven't touched that laundry in days like i try to be really open and honest with people but you still Mm -hmm. forget and it's human nature not to show like the bad parts or the parts you feel like you're failing on so Mm -hmm. it's just really hard to set those expectations and i think brooke you're exactly right is when you have a supportive partner it is night and day and totally different and like Mm -hmm. just what you can actually um feel comfortable I don't know about yourself, like self-confidence about how you're taking care of stuff because Mm -hmm. you have a partner who you can rely on. Not everyone has that, of course. So it's just a really difficult thing to do and like ask for help because you think everyone else is capable of doing it. And here's the thing, even if they were capable of doing it, it's okay if you're not. Like, I think that's, that's the thing where it's like, yeah. yes. hey, that's not mm-hmm. even true. We're not doing all the things, all the right times at all the whatever, right places. But even if we were, it's okay if you're not, or it's okay if I'm not. Like, we all have different capacities. Maybe you crush it at work and I can't, you know, or maybe you crush it at the gym and I stay, I haven't worked out in years. Like, we all have our different capacities of what's important to us and what we're going to prioritize. And I think culture just doesn't let us have that. (laughs) It's like putting everyone in that same bucket Mm -hmm. of like what it looks like to be successful or whatever. So anyways. Yeah, I think like redefining what you think what you believe is success is really important because not everyone's success is the same. Like for some people, success is making the bed. Like for some people, success is just getting out of bed and having breakfast. For some people, it's running a multi-million dollar company. Like success looks different for Mm -hmm. everybody. And it's okay if your success isn't what someone else's is. I love that. And so applicable to food freedom too. Like everyone's Mm -hmm. history with diet culture is different. Everyone's current feelings of their body and food is different. I had this mom um, ask me a question because I said something like, oh, 
um, your little one needs to feel safe around food. And she said, what do you mean safe? Of course they're safe. The food's not going to hurt them. You know, like she couldn't understand that like, well, some kids or some adults even don't feel safe around food, not in a way of like, oh, that broccoli is going to pick up a knife and murder me. (laughs) But in a way of like, I can't control myself around those chips or I don't feel like I'm in control or I don't feel um, like I, I all of a sudden have all this guilt and shame that I'm not finishing my broccoli or half my plate isn't veggies or whatever rule, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. it's just that yeah. idea of not feeling safe. And we all have a different, um, we're all coming at it with a different amount of experience and where we want to go with it and what it looks like at the end, like not even at the end, but in the journey, you know, what this mm-hmm. looks like for everybody. It's so individualized and unique, which is hard compared when you contrast it with diet culture that's so rigid and treats everyone like mm-hmm. they're the exact same. And here's your calorie count. And it's the same as hers, even though you have a thousand different variables or mm-hmm. we're going to put everyone on yes. whole 30 that has the same rules for everybody. And good luck. Goodbye. We'll see you at day 31. <laughs> it's just yeah, insane. Like how rigid not it individualized at all. Just generic, right. basic. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, which is why it is important, you know, if you feel like these diet plans and fad diets haven't worked for you in the past, like it is important to work with a dietitian one-to-one if if that's in your budget because they're going to work with you on your specific goals. Like, okay, what is your schedule? What does this look like? Yeah. What forms of self-care can we add in? When can we add it in? When do you go grocery shopping? What like it's just it's so specific and when you do keto or intermittent fasting or whatever. Like they don't know, they don't know your medical history. They don't know, um, your history with food and your relationship Mm -hmm. with food and body. They don't know if you have any allergies or intolerances, like it could be really dangerous for you to do that even based on your medical history. And so when nobody is reviewing your medical history and you're just jumping on the next, you know, diet, I mean, it can be truly dangerous for your physical health, but even your mental health, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's, there's so much to unload <laughs> with, with this. Um, but yeah, Caitlin, I would love it if, first of all, let everyone know where they can find you, how they can work with you, um, and really where they can find you on Instagram as well, which is where we found her. Um, and also what you've got going on, because I know you've got a few things uh, that you're working up. So I'd love for you to share with everyone uh, that. And then also, if you have anything that like, they could take away from this entire time um, why they need to focus on self-care, how they can or something like that, that they can leave with and really have like a tangible piece to go into the rest of their day with. Awesome. Yeah. So you can mostly find me on Instagram at self.love.nutritionist. And right now I'm taking clients one-to-one so we can work together to really work on healing your relationship with food and your body and just really being able to build that self-trust with yourself again. So you're no longer dieting or binging. And then I also have a community program um, with uh, like monthly bundles and there's lots of great members in there just interacting with each other. And we have snack chats with guests and actually Brooke and Alyssa will be there next month. So and I love that. I know I love it. And then um sam cartina and i have a podcast and she's been on this podcast too so she sure has so Mm -hmm. self-love hour you said right 
is the podcast. So make sure you guys go all subscribe. It's brand new. Subscribe, leave a written review for them. Let them know how awesome they are. Um, We will link everything down below as well. So how to contact Caitlin, how to you know, subscribe to the podcast and her membership and everything like that. Cause yes. And Sam is nourished, lift, repeat. Cause I know some people mm-hmm. won't know her full name. So we had Sam on <laughs> talking about exercise. Yes. Um, so nourish, lift, repeat. If you liked that interview and found it useful, um, she is the co-host of the podcast. We're so excited that you guys started a podcast. Ah, we, thank you. We're so pumped. And we honestly, we get so many questions. I get this probably once a week, like what intuitive eating, um, people should I follow or what intuitive eating podcast do you recommend? And we seriously, we have an ongoing list. And so we just put you on there today because it just, you're okay. brand new. Thanks guys. That's a good idea to have like a running list. Yeah, You should. should. Yeah. Should do that. yeah. It's so helpful for people because I think um, it, you know, you don't think of podcasting as like a place full of diet culture, but it's there. I mean, all the top nutrition podcasts are just diet culture, keto, blah, 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 whatever. And I just think it's so amazing. The more dietitians we can get in the podcast space to take over and kind of say, hey, Mm -hmm. that's not your only option here, you know. Um, And we were we were actually just talking to a member and she was saying how encouraging it is to listen to our podcast every week. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we can only do so much. We have one hour. A, a week is really what we give people and I would love to do more but of course we don't have the time and I listen to podcasts I would say probably two to three hours a day I listen to podcasts honestly so same the more the merrier yes. driving walking <laughs> cleaning yes cleaning oh my gosh yes so rocking the baby to sleep yeah you name it I'm listening to podcasts same um so that is so helpful. We're so excited to watch your podcast blow up and listen to it alongside everyone else. And Kaylin, thank you oh, so much for, for coming me. on. We so appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, I just love your demeanor. And I know so many people are going to resonate with you and um, come hang out and check out your page and your work and everything. So thank you. Thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, and everyone, we will see you next Tuesday with a brand new episode, and we can't wait to share with you. Woo-woo. All right, bye. bye. See you later.